What's going on, ghosties? Welcome back to Tales of Spooky Coffee House. If you're new here, welcome to our show. We are your hosts. I'm Chelsea. And I'm Veronica. And it's time for our much-needed coffee break. Veronica. Yes. Do you want to start us off with our prayers today? Sure. Ghosties, Chelsea and I would like to send out our prayers to Maui. It's been... It's been pretty bad. Lots of uh, devastating news coming from um, with the fires, the loss of lives. I think they're at 36 now. I know there's ways to donate to Maui and to everyone in need. We're thinking of you, Maui. We love you guys. And we'll be sending our prayers over to you guys. Yeah, I've been I've been watching the videos where people have had to like jump in the ocean. Yeah. To stay safe and the Coast Guard has been pulling people out of the water, and it's just, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I When I first saw it, I was in disbelief. Yeah. Just because like, you, you never think of that, something like that to really happen in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. But With the news of Maui being kind of like all over every channel right now, I also wanted to talk to you about something that I have not seen on TV yet. I've only seen like one article and they are not uploading very often on the case. Like it's being very hush hush. Mm -hmm. But there's a lawsuit and an investigation in Atlanta right now about Mm -hmm. how a mother is claiming that her child was decapitated during her birth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. ghosties, if you haven't heard about it, trigger warning, this this will get pretty graphic. Even um, the lawyer got into detail about it when he was... Yeah, doing, and like, my stomach was churning. Like, I was just yeah. so... I was so sick. But um, a mother in Atlanta gave birth to a baby boy, I believe, last month. Mm-hmm. And the doctor was so rough with the baby that by the time this baby was born, it was decapitated. And the hospital tried to cover it up. I even saw a whole claim that they actually, like they said like the baby didn't make it from natural causes. Like wouldn't even hand the baby to the parents because they had it wrapped up in a blanket to hide the decapitation. And then they didn't even find out that their baby was decapitated until three days after. So the baby, I forgot what the term was, but he was stuck. His shoulder was stuck. So that prompted the doctor to pull with more force. But mm-hmm. he pulled so much, he did decapitate the baby. And then he said that we had they we that they had to go for an emergency C-section. Mm-hmm. And when they did the C-section, they did remove the baby from the abdomen, but it didn't have a head. And you're right, instead of uh, handing the baby to the parents or letting them know, they didn't allow them to hold the baby, like you said, but also they were trying to have the baby cremated. Like the doctors uh, recommended that the baby be cremated. So that's how far they were willing to go to keep it, to try to keep them from finding out. Yeah, it's just disgusting in so many ways. Because yeah. it's not just the doctor that's involved in that. You know, you have nurses and mm-hmm. um, the whole stuff like that that are, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, uh, horrible. Yeah. And because of the lawsuit and case and everything, they have had to do an autopsy. 
to prove that it was blunt force from the doctor, but they still have not released that information yet. Crazy. But yeah, I um I just want to make sure that that's, that case doesn't slip through the news equally as important as the fires going on in Maui right now. Yeah. That kind of cover-up happens not just in, you know, one space. It happens everywhere, so. Yeah. But Veronica, and- let's change the subject because I'm getting very depressed right now. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, let's do a little movie review, shall we? Oh, God. So I guess, spoiler alert... Uh, if you're gonna go watch the movie Talk to Me, get through the next couple minutes. So I went to go watch Talk to Me. If you haven't heard of this movie or have seen a trailer for it, it's pretty much where a group of college students? Yeah, young adults. Young adults? I think they're high school students, college students. Um, Are they both? Probably. I think there's a mixture of older kids and younger kids. Okay, well, high school students are still young adults. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just stick with that. Oh, just stick I thought you said. I thought you said. Are they adults? No, young adults. I said young adults. Okay, okay, sorry, sorry. We're I both really it. high for this right now. <laughs> Speak for yourself. What was I saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, so um, one of the characters has an embalmed hand. That used to belong to either like a Satan worshiper or something like that and or a witch. Now, what they do is they tie you down to a chair. You have to hold hands like you're shaking it with this embalmed hand. And you say, talk to me. And when you say that, a spirit appears in front of you. And of course, they're all gory looking spirits. And... um. Then you say, I I let you in or something like that. And they get to possess the person. Oh, it, has to be less, it has to be less than 90 seconds because after 90 seconds, they want to stay a little bit longer. So that incident happened and, you know, it was just like very chaotic. Um, it involved. So in this movie, there's a guy that kills himself by stabbing uh, a knife through his head. Oh, lovely. Um, There's a scene where a kid tries to take his own eye out or rip his own eye out. It's just a, you know, it's a gory movie. Anyways, it was not scary. They're saying that people are fainting while watching this movie, which I get with the gore. I hate gory, but I don't get it. Like, I don't get sick. You know, I don't get nauseous or anything. I just, it's ill. But because it was so gory for me, it was like, eh, this is dumb. Like, I'm not scared. And I, I was telling one of the girls I went with, because we watched Insidious, The Red Door. Mm-hmm. That movie was scary. I was covering my eyes. I was jumping. <laughs> I was so scared. And I was jumpy after the fact, like, for a couple of days. But with this movie, it's like, meh. oh that sucks so moving on from that i do have some questions for you chelsea oh god that's like the worst time no no they're good questions they're good questions i don't believe you that's messed up um my (laughs) first question is if you were writing a book in which two lovers die together in order to save the world what would the last line of the book be i don't okay so like 
the ending like paragraph in general would just be like the two of them like looking together i feel like there's fire surrounding them and them just like looking at each other maybe something like she says like i don't know something something cute about like even in death they're still gonna be together something like that okay do you know what i would put what would you put i would put onto our next adventure oh right wait a week we look like the stoned one and i write books (laughs) and that was like that was like perfect i'm a book writer and yours is just like i'm a mess right now i'm a mess right now you're just uh (laughs) my next question is what was the first book that you couldn't put down um the something kingdom but anyways there was this trilogy that i wrote i i wrote i read in like seventh grade and it was about like this late like this urban legend type thing where if the girls in the town stayed out late in the woods they would get kidnapped by trolls mm-hmm. or not trolls goblins mm-hmm. and this girl thought it was stupid she done and she ends up following for the king of them mm-hmm. and uh like there's a there's a bunch of stuff, but I was so into it, like it was good. It was really good. Okay. Do you think what? writers should write books? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm just really stoned right now. Okay. All right. Do you think writers should write books according to what readers want or according to what they are passionate about? What they're passionate about. Because if you're not passionate about, about what you're writing, you're nobody's going to want to read it because they can feel that energy. Not that you have any, because I don't think you literally do. Or how would you deal with negative book reviews? I don't know. Like, I want to say that I would, like, be okay with ignoring it. But mm-hmm. I feel like I would be okay with negative negativity. I would um, hope I am. <laughs> What are three things you must have in your writing space to stay focused? Now, I'm going to add a little something to this. Um, Besides coffee. (laughs) Okay. um, That was a dick move. Now I have to think of three (laughs) actual things. Three things to help me stay focused. Um, I have a candle. I I always light a candle for like smell for like and it helps me like get into the setting you know Mm -hmm. with that my second thing would be definitely my headphones and my music so i make like aesthetic music boards on spotify Mm -hmm. and i always have like my like my book inspiration playlist at the same time because like when i wrote obsession i needed that Mm -hmm. like scary music background type thing and so i would play that type of um, music it's usually just like dark instrumental mm-hmm. and so I'm like I, I would be sitting there writing like a fight scene or a chase scene and I'll have that like scary music in the background with you know this the smell from the candle like just getting really pumped me. up yeah getting me pumped up putting me into the setting of my book and it just like 
helps me stay focused to keep writing, which is probably why I struggle with doing any type of work on my computer because I don't have a scent and background music to be like, yeah, get through this article, get through this email. <laughs> Instead of seeing, like, you know, like I could, like, people would picture someone like riding a bike with like heavy, like metal going on, like, yeah. I picture yeah. that same energy, but with Chelsea typing on the computer, like, yeah. No, dude, seriously, like, I, I really want to record myself one day because, like, when I get really into a scene, um, like, there's a chase scene in Obsession where I was just, like, I was trying to make sure that I went as fast as I could, but that I actually hit the buttons. <laughs> and I felt like I was, like, pounding on my keyboard. <laughs> Your poor keyboard, man. Yeah, like, I was like, holy shit, like, I'm getting really aggressive right now. (laughs) You should definitely record yourself and make it, like, a time lapse, you know? So it's, like, recording you in real time, but, like, make it fast forward and post it. I I would love to see that. And then just, like, every so often. I have many faces at my computer while I'm typing that it would be embarrassing. (laughs) Okay, but I still want to see it. I know, but no, because if I send you that, like you're gonna post it. I I'll sign an NDA, man. I don't. <laughs> what the heck. But my my third thing is a drink. That's not <laughs> coffee. Like I have to have my water too. Yeah. Well, so it doesn't count because you said coffee. So, water's your chaser for the coffee. Yeah, there you go. So see, I have a chair. That's my third thing, a chaser. <laughs> chaser (laughs) and uh my last question for you is what is a piece of advice you would give to a writer working on their first book just write don't be an editor Mm. spend so much time if you let yourself like like you'll just like get lost in editing every single word every single sentence every single paragraph that you forget to actually write the story so that's that's pretty good yeah (laughs) Cause I used to do that all the time and I could like, I could never get through, get through books. Cause I would spend so time trying to get it perfect that I never finished it. I got a couple of those. I can, I, I can hear the love you have for writing just by how your, <laughs> your like voice changed while you answered that. Um, <laughs> but uh, all right. So moving on, do you want to get us started with the true crime topic of the week? The hollow kingdom. That's the name of that book that got me into uh Bro, yeah, crazy. <laughs> I thought you were right now. I was like, "Fuck, she's lost it. <laughs> this is it. This is where she went mad. This moment, it's the Hollow Kingdom." <laughs> uh, we'll be back after these messages. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the true crime topic of the week is. The Bloody Benders, um, if you don't know who the Benders are, in October of 1870, a family of five decided to move to a town in Labette County in Kansas. I was trying to think of the state. One of these families was John Bender and his son, John Bender Jr., and they registered 160 acres of land. Now... Could you imagine just having to register the 160? Like these people, I just moved there and said that this is mine and it was Mm. theirs. Could you imagine doing that today? Mm. But the area that they chose was next to the Great Osage Trail. 
um, and it was the only open road for traveling farther west. So they opened up a like kind of like general store hotel type thing. After a couple of weeks after they built a barn and a well, John Bender brought over his wife, Elvira, and their daughter, Kate. Actually, it wasn't a couple months. It was like a year. So a little bit about the Benders. John Bender Sr. was around 60 years old and spoke very little English. His wife, Elvira, who was 55 years old, allegedly spoke little English, but was able to speak some, which comes back later. But she was described as being so unfriendly that her neighbors called her the she-devil. Yeah. John Bender Jr. would have been around 25 years old. He was said to be very handsome with auburn hair and a mustache. He spoke English very well and had a German accent. And he was... He was described as being so prone to laughing that many called him a halfwit. And then Kate Bender would have been around 23, and she was described as being very attractive and spoke English very well with a no accent. She was a self-proclaimed healer and psychic, and she sent fires everywhere, kind of advertising her supernatural powers and her Mm -hmm. supposed ability to cure illnesses. There's no documentation or proof of who the Benders were, They are believed to have been German immigrants, but because of the lack of documentation, many believe that John and Kate were actually married and not brother and sister. Besides that, many of the other like facts about the Benders is also lost. So nobody actually knows where they immigrated from, who they were before they moved here, or even if their names were actually the Benders. So a bit about their history and stuff. The first body was found... 1871, a little bit after Elvira and Kate arrived. And the body of Jones was discovered in the creek with a cut throat and crushed skull. Yeah. By January of 1872, the bodies of two men were also found with the same injuries as Jones. And by 1873, reports of missing people who had passed through that area became so common that travelers began to avoid the trail altogether. Mm. So the road that the Benders were on was widely known for horse thieves and villains. Like, mm-hmm. Did you say villains? Yeah, that, that, that's like a quote, like horse thieves and villains. In the winter of 1872, a man named George Newton Longcore left Independence Candace with his infant daughter, Mary Ann, to resettle in Iowa. They were never seen again. In the spring of 1873, his former neighbor, Dr. William Henry York, went looking for them and questioned a lot of the residents that were along the trail. During this time, this is kind of how they narrowed down the search. William Henry York had reached Fort Scott, And on March 9th, he began his journey to Independence, Kansas, but he had never arrived. So they kind of had like a point A and point B in between area. Mm -hmm. Now, York had two brothers, Ed York, who lived in Fort Scott, and Colonial Alexander York, who was a Civil War veteran, a lawyer, and a member of the Kansas State Senate. Both of his brothers knew of his travel plans, so when he failed to return, they began an all-out search for their brother. And on March 28th, 1873, Alexander York had arrived at the Bender's Inn, and Mr. Johnson explaining, like, how his brother went missing and, and if they had seen him. They did admit that the doctor had stayed with them, 
and suggested that he probably had to run into trouble with Indians. Now, remember, this is 1870s, so this is when Indians were still depicted as being evil. So after his talk with the Benders, a couple of days later, he had learned about a woman who had fled the Benders Inn after Elvira had threatened her with knives. After this allegation, York had gone to confront them. And remember, Elvira had alleged that she could not understand English. Mm -hmm. So the younger (laughs) benders were the ones that were denying the claim, kind of like being the translators. Now, when York had repeated this more angrily, Elvira also became mad, saying that the woman who she chased was a witch who had cursed her coffee and ordered the men to leave her house, which revealed that her little understanding of English was a lot better than she had let Mm. everybody believe. York, of course, because he had no evidence or anything, he had to leave the property. And Kate had even offered that if he returned on Friday, that she would use her clairvoyant abilities to help find his brother. Of course, this never happened because during a town meeting where they were trying to figure out what to do for the searches, York didn't have anybody watching them. And nobody noticed for several days that the benders had disappeared by the time. Yeah. By the time they did, like, I I don't know. The whole thing is kind of like weird because if you suspect somebody of killing them, of killing your brother and you just leave them unattended. Yeah. Like you were just asking for them to get away. Get away with it or get rid of him. Yeah. So the town sent volunteers for a search party and they were starting at the cabin and then working their way out at, like to search the area. When they searched the house, they noticed that there was a bad odor next to a trap door underneath the mm-hmm. bed that was nailed shut. When they mm-hmm. opened the trap, they mm-hmm. found clotted blood on the floor, which was a six foot by seven foot deep area. Now, they believed that the bad smell was coming from the blood that had soaked into the soil of this tiny room. And the reason for that is because they did dig through that entire, like, they dug through the walls trying to find bodies, which they never found. Mm -hmm. So can you imagine having so much blood soaked into something that it starts to smell rotted? No, I don't want to think about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) With the smell that was coming from that little room, they decided to probe the ground around the the cabin, especially in the areas that had disturbed soil. Even though they had a vegetable garden and an orchard, they still poked around those areas searching for bodies. When they uncovered these areas that they found suspicious, they found eight bodies. They found another one in a well, and then they also found several body parts that did not belong to the victims that they found. All of these bodies, except for one, had their heads bashed in with a hammer and their throats cut, much like the body that was found in the creek. And the only body that did not have this mutilation was the body of a young girl who was found with no injuries, and they believe that she was strangled or buried alive. Now, if you remember, there was a father and daughter who went missing along this trail. Mm-hmm. And so it almost seems like they gave pity to the daughter, which I find kind of weird just because of, like, the brutality of the rest of the victims. Yeah, and she's the only one that pretty much has doesn't have a mark on her. Yeah. Now, there is a report in a newspaper about how after finding all of these bodies, the crowd was so, like, 
angry, hyped up, you know, kind of like mob style, that they grabbed a guy named Brockman, who was a friend of the Benders. And it was claimed that they hung him until he was unconscious, revived him, interrogated him, hung him again, and repeated that cycle for three times. Just because they were so enraged and they they wanted information. Yeah, even though this, yeah, even though this guy didn't have any. Mm-hmm. Our word of this of these murders spread quickly, and they had more than three thousand people, including reporters as far away as New York and Chicago, visit the area to help the to help the search for the murderers for the Bender family. The senator brother offered a thousand dollar reward for the family's arrest. In today's terms, that would be about twenty four thousand five hundred dollars as a reward, and then after that. The Kansas governor, Thomas Osborne, offered a $2,000 reward for the arrest of all four of the, of the family, which is about $49,000, um, give or take, in today's, mm-hmm. today's day. They did follow like wagon tracks outside of the city limits of Thayer, and they did confirm that the family had bought tickets to go to other areas. But even when they followed those leads, those also led to nowhere. So within like 50 years or so, they had followed several leads and had many misidentification issues, which led to a fear and panic growing pretty much all over Kansas in the Midwest of people trying to find these people, report false identifications, and then people were getting tortured and and treated like crap until they figured out, oh, you're not actually the benders. So it was a it was a lot of panic and hysteria going on. Going by the recovered body parts that didn't match the bodies that they found, it's speculated that the remains were that of more than twenty victims. There were a lot of bodies that were not claimed that they had found, and so they reburied them at the base of a small hill that was about a mile away from the Benders' orchard. Mm-hmm. And it's a location that today is known as the Benders Mountains. Mm. Um, and it is a place that you can like go and and see. Um, and this is in Kansas, right? Yeah, this is in Kansas. The search of the cabin had they had recovered three hammers, a shoe hammer, a claw hammer, and a sledgehammer that were a match to the indents in some of the skulls. So they believe that these were the murder weapons. Mm-hmm. And they did display them in the Kansas Museum for a couple of years. But currently, the artifacts were given to the Sherryvale Museum. And they are in a wall-mounted display case today. So you can go visit and see. But there was a knife that they had found. And it was donated to the Kansas Museum of History by York's wife in their later years. But mm-hmm. it, it's not on display. But if you request the knife as well that they... That they found in the cabin to the to go list, right? Or places to go to, yeah. Yeah, you have to specifically request it too. Like they won't show you if you don't ask for it. But other than those, they do have a historical marker that describes the Bender's crimes, which is located at the rest area of the junction of U.S. Route 400 and U.S. Route 169 near Sherryvale. Because, like I said, they completely destroyed the cabin took all the bricks, the stones, everything. So there's nothing left of that. But you can go see where it used to be and where the bodies were found. But yeah, even today, nobody knows what happened to the bloody benders. And I was thinking about that. I was like, I wonder what happened. 
Yep, nobody knows. Like I said, they they did find a lot of misidentifications, false leads, stuff like that. Mm. But they never actually found them. And they still don't know like if uh, John and Kate were actually married or if they were truly brother and sister. There's a lot that we don't know. But yeah, it's it's just it's interesting that there was a serial killing family. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I mean, I don't like that, but like I like that. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> if you've been here long enough, you get it. You get it. <laughs> you know what I mean. Do you want to get us started on the paranormal topic of the week so I'll stop fucking talking? Yes, and you can eat your little gummy bears. <laughs> so it worms. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Jesus. So my paranormal topic of the week is the curse of Busby Stoop Chair. So let me ask you a question while you're chewing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What object would you curse when you died? When I died? Hmm. Hold on. When you die, what object would you curse? There you go. (laughs) Can it be kind of like made up a little bit? How? like um like a like an ink infinity pen so a a pen that never runs out of ink and then i would i would possess that because everybody would try to write with it Ooh, and you possess everything that is written in yeah Ooh, Mm -hmm. that's cool i like that (laughs) i have great thoughts when i'm high (laughs) yeah you actually sound interesting (gasps) oh your bully is showing bitch Okay. So, <laughs> Thomas Busby was arrested, tried, and condemned to death after he murdered his father-in-law, Daniel Audie, in 1702. Audie and Busby were running a coin counterfeiting business, as well as other criminal enterprises, and they argued about the business, which ended with Busby killing Audie. Busby would grab a hammer and make his way to Audie's home, where he bludgeoned him to death. Knowing that he would be a murder suspect, he attempted to hide the body in the forest, but the body was later found by authorities. So there are two stories behind how the chair became cursed. Version one is that He cursed the chair while he was on his way to his execution. Version 2 says that he was drunk in the chair when he was arrested and cursed it in that moment of his arrest. Locals claim that during the Second World War, a Canadian airman from the nearby base at Skipton-on-Swale went to the pub and those who sat in the chair never returned from the bombing missions over mainland Europe. It is said that prior to his hanging, Busby was heard shouting, cursing, and promising all those who would dare sit in his chair a violent death. In the 1970s, some fatal accidents were linked with the chair. In 1978, or the chair was ultimately hung from the ceiling of Thirsk Museum to prevent occupancy, even by maintenance. A furniture historian examined the chair and found it to have uh, machine-turned spindles, whereas 18th century chairs were made using a polack. He dated the chair to 1840, 138 years after Busby's execution. Interesting, right? Mm -hmm. So here are a few incidents that happened. In 1894, a man visited the pub with his friend, drinking too much, 
and he took the last seat of his life on Busby's chair. After leaving the pub and being too drunk to continue his journey home, he laid down on the road to sleep. The next morning, he was found hanging from a post next to the very same gallows where Busby was once hanged. Many airmen during the Second World War would dare each other to sit in the chair, knowing full well of the curse. Those that did, legend has it, never returned home. In 1968, two other airmen sat in the chairs. Some say for only a second, but in that second, they sealed their fate. On their own back to the airfield, they crashed into a tree, dying on their way to the hospital. Oh, shit. Other stories, such as a cleaning lady diagnosed with a brain tumor, cyclist and a motorcyclist crashing and dying after sitting on the chair, exhausted hitchhikers, a man in his 30s dying from a massive heart attack, and from a group of builders, one took the dare to sit on the chair, later falling through the roof of a building and dying soon after. Some accounts attribute up to 60 kills to the chair. After this, the owner of the pub locked it in the cellar, hoping to put an end to the curse. But this isn't the end of the story. A delivery man in 1978 saw the chair in the cellar and decided to take a seat, saying the chair was too comfortable to be locked up. Shortly after leaving the pub, he too crashed and died. The owner of the pub considered this the last straw and immediately donated the chair to the Thirst Museum on the condition it was hung on the wall and never taken down. So you could definitely visit this chair. Um, uh, you'll never see me sitting in it. <laughs> I was just about to ask. <laughs> no, I would sit. I would sit in the Devil's Chair for sure at the at the Haunted Museum in Las Vegas. But um, no, I would not sit in this chair. But yeah, so that's my paranormal topic of the week. The curse of Busby's stooped chair. Ghosties, would you dare sit in the chair if you had a chance? I wouldn't. No. No. I'd visit it. I'd visit it Uh for sure. I'd Mm -hmm. go say hi. But would I sit in it? No. No. So moving on to segment three. We're going to do something different. Something fun. Our tarot card reading. We're going to be doing this back and forth game with each other. So, pretty much what will happen is Chelsea will pull a card from her deck, and that reading will be towards me. And after she's done, it'll be my turn, and so forth. So, enjoy. (laughs) Enjoy the chaos. (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen, but it's just we're here to get called out. (laughs) Yeah. No, no questions, no questions, um, mm-hmm. just what messages we get from the cards or and we'll have how, to however we it. take it. Yeah. Yep. All right, Chelsea, would you like to go first? Sure. Okay. Will you hear the Oop. cards? Nice and fresh. <laughs> yeah. A card literally just popped out, so. Oh. <laughs> I love these. I love these. I'm here for it. So. The card that popped up was the Knight of Pentacles. And you are hardworking and very responsible. You are working hard for what you want and achieving your wishes just through straight perseverance and determination. And so, you know, you know this is because <laughs> of what we were talking about before uh-huh. we started recording and what we were doing. Yep. So, uh, okay. So good job, okay. you. <laughs> All right. 
You're like, I hear you. <laughs> period, period. I'll take the compliment when I'm giving it. <laughs> okay, it's your turn, buddy. Pick a card, any card. I okay. Don't jump at <laughs> me, dude. So the first card that I pulled for you is the Five of Swords. It's looking like there's been some conflict in your life. Um, maybe some <laughs> disagreements. But I feel like you're you're defeating you're defeating the flames that are burning you alive, and you want to. You're very set on make, making sure you get it your own way, you know. Like, but like, in a way like that. Hold on. <laughs> what are words? <laughs> I know my brain knows what I'm wanting to say, and I just can't say it. <laughs> I hate that, dude. I hate that so much. <laughs> You're, you're pretty much going after what you deserve. You know what I mean? You're going for that win. Damn right I am. Fuck yeah, dude. Hell yeah, dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's my turn. <laughs> I hate you. Next card is the Six of Wands reversed. Oh, it's always scary when it's reversed. It sounds like it, but most of the time it really isn't. No, but it's still scary. So you are feeling disappointed with your achievements, either because of unsuccessfulness or you just feel unsatisfied with the result. Just remember that you don't want to become fame-hungry and egotistical, so you really want to examine your relationship with achievements and stop comparing yourself to others. I don't. What the... I don't. I don't compare myself to others. I look down at them. Do you feel disappointed with something? (laughs) Um... No, but the thing is, it's like, damn, Tarot, like, pick a side. First, you're telling me I'm doing like a bomb job, and now you're like, "Mm, girl. It's just telling you to make sure you have that balance. Like, it doesn't want you to get egotistical about anything. I'll do what I want, okay? (laughs) Oh my gosh. So rude. So the card that I pulled for you, Chelsea, is the Two of Cups reversed. Uh, so right now you're really focusing on yourself and you're giving yourself a lot of self-love, which I'm all here for, girl. I'm all here for. <laughs> um, maybe there's been some disharmony going on in your life, but you know what's good for you and you're, you're doing the best for yourself. And taking care of yourself. And it's good. It's good to show yourself some self-love. But share it. Share it a little with me. So last card is the Ace of Pentacles reversed. And I just, I love the look of this card on my on my tarot deck. That's like a dream catcher with uh, crystals and feathers. Ooh. Yeah, really pretty. And it's got like shimmer for like the stars and stuff. But anyways, the Ace of Pentacles reversed. You have a lot of instability in your life right now, and you may like you may feel like you haven't spent your time wisely, and it's not too late to change um, <laughs> what you like to do. Do you feel called out? 
And that was the final card of your reading. <laughs> oh, all right. Now I'm shuffling this baby up good. <laughs> so the card I just pulled for you is Ace of Wands. Um, so <laughs> don't laugh um, like that. You make me nervous. You got some good potential going on for you, kid. Like you got potential. You got some new opportunities coming your way. You're you're about to blossom. Blossom like a beautiful, beautiful rose. You're gonna be uh filled with new inspiration, which could probably lead to those new opportunities. Oh my god, I'm so excited for you. I this reading has like called me out in a good way like it's like very spot on today but it's also being like really encouraging yeah but like to where you I, know, I guess like, like yeah I, no not even that I guess it's more like hearing like exactly how like like how it's describing my life right now that's just like mm-hmm. really hard to like hear but it's like hey like the future the is bright and Facing yeah the truth yeah yeah i like guess yeah. making me come face to face with it so um whose idea was this oh Yours. my god uh, <laughs> i'm letting you take full responsibility for this <laughs> yeah my shit was fucking like bipolar i don't know but yeah I mean, yeah yours was um, like you're doing great but don't fuck you're up you're not <laughs> so great but like you're not <laughs> but like but like you are time and yeah. do what you want to do no exactly yeah. okay um i'm not thinking about quitting the pharmacy what <laughs> <laughs> i don't blame you anyways let's end this disaster episode. yeah <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have a disastrous episode every once in a while yeah you're right look back at like one day in the future, like we're gonna listen to this episode and cringe, and that's the purpose of this. Is <laughs> to be embarrassed by ourselves. Yeah. Anyways, thank you for. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us this week, ghosties. We hope you had as much fun as we did. If you did, make sure to give us a follow on Instagram and TikTok, and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you want a tarot card reading, DM us and we will choose a lucky winner every week. We are your hosts. I'm Chelsea. And I'm Veronica. Have a spooky weekend and we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.